0: from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love
1: the smell of napalm in the morning.
0: I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Just What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms, treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson.
1: You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not Run saying anything. Day.
0: Rocky LaFleur.
2: Yo, Adrian! It's I it's
0: Houston Kennedy.
1: Please, Houston, we have a problem.
0: And Josh Webb.
1: Coons. Well, raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chase him off with a broom.
2: Welcome to the On The Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Jay Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the handsome, the charming, the talented, Rocky LaFleur, coming to us from the On Next studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. Later in the podcast, we'll also have Josh Webb joining us, but right now we're starting off with a very special guest host this week, my good friend, National Sales Manager for Excel Boats and Mud Buddy Motors, Mr. Dave Reynolds, coming to us from Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, buddy. Dave, hey. it's great to have you here on us.
3: Well, thanks for the invite. feel privileged.
2: <laughs> you are privileged. You're getting to be on here with me and Rocky, and it sounds like Josh just joined us also. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yep. I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But I was excited. You know, Rocky and I were talking about this yesterday, Dave, and we were saying how cool it was going to be to get to actually talk to somebody that, We'll be duck hunting all the way up to the end of January, just like we will, but it's also already been hunting for a month now. What, what's it been like out there for the last month?
3: That's right. You know, our season opened up October 1st, and we have a 115, 117-day season. And, you know, I think there's been research among divorce rates among hunters, and it's uh, definitely highest in the Pacific <laughs> Flyway. <laughs> But you know, we've uh, you know our peak migration in Utah is typically mid to late September. So actually, before the season actually starts is when we have most of the ducks. Um, um, However, you know, like other states, you know the weather uh, pushes more birds in, and so typically our first couple weeks of the season are phenomenal. We have you know millions of birds using the Great Salt Lake. Very good hunting. And then uh from there it's weather related and uh we've been like the rest of the country, very mild, warm, you know, high pressure. I've worn a short sleeve shirt to work all week. I mean it's it's unbelievable. And uh so the hunting's been tough. We went out last Friday. We had a very good hunt, I've probably seen more wigeon than I've ever seen hunting. You know, just
1: flocks. Dave, flocks,
3: tens of thousands. Yes.
1: What 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 are you seeing on the Great Salt Lake right now?
3: Very little water is what you're seeing. A lot of dirt is what you're seeing on the Great South (laughs) Lake right now. (laughs) Oh, man, it's at a historic low, historic low right now.
1: When I was out there with Jay Paul a couple of years ago, that thing was really, really low then. I can't imagine if it's at a record low now what it looks like.
3: Where you were hunting two years ago, there's no water. I know you hunt with Glade, and uh, he's told me those places he hunted two years ago are high and dry. So that that makes hunting very difficult because the Great Salt Lake provides a lot of refuge for the ducks, yeah, you know, a lot of shoreline, a lot of open water to get away from the hunters, and additionally, it provides a good food source, you know the brine shrimp, a lot of ducks depend on that, um you know a lot of the surrounding vegetation, so when you have very low water um one thing you don't have refuge for the ducks, secondly you don't have um, the food. And, you know, we've been experiencing a drought much like the rest of the West in California. Um, you know, Utah was, is known for its epic powder skiing and phenomenal duck hunting. And, uh, and we've had neither for quite a while. And, and there's a direct correlation. You know, I'm a big skier, too, and there's always a conflict during duck season, late in the season. But, you know, the last year we had an epic... Snow ski year was five years ago that following fall wow phenomenal hunting we would limit out every time no matter if we had four hunters or seven hunters it was phenomenal and since then it's been it's been tough now i don't mean to seem you know all doom and gloom and we still have some incredible hunting here but we need some water like the rest of what will
1: the
0: uh, what will the majority of the hunters do or the guys that hunt around the the Great Salt Lake, what will they do now? If it's that dry, what what other uh ways are there, you know, avenues to go down as far as hunting now that the water's now.
3: Yeah, there you go. You know, uh you know the Great Salt we're starting to get some water and you know the diehard hunters, you go out there and you could find areas to hunt. Um see after October first, irrigation stops with the farming. And after October 1st, all the water that's typically used for irrigation goes out in the Great Salt Lake. So there are areas filling up now. Now, I'm not going to tell you where those are, but, for example, uh, two (laughs) weeks ago, me and my buddy got into an area we hadn't been able to hunt for two years. Uh, There was enough water in the airboat. I mean, talking skinny water, you know, it's... uh, it's pretty dicey, and we were able to get in this area, and we shot uh, 11 mallards and, and uh, a couple gadwall and a widgeon. And last Friday, we got into an area we hadn't hunted for a while, and we got into the wigeon. Two days later, by the way, we went back and did fire shell. But that's
0: well, what, a good what, does, what does the the bird diversity out there. I mean what all species do y'all typically see around the Great Salt Lake? Because from somebody from Mississippi, you know, that's just a completely different style of hunting and but, but are the birds is it generally the same as what we're used to seeing here? Mylards gadwalls, widgeons, we yeah, get I a good diversity so. here.
3: Yeah, you would get a good diversity. Um you know we have very open marshes and that's the difference between here and back in Arkansas and Mississippi. I mean there are no there are no trees. In fact, you you don't even see a tree in sight. I mean, you're looking out at the horizon ten miles, and there's not a tree. So it's just big open marshes. And the reason for that is they're alkaline marshes. Obviously, the soil's alkaline, so no trees will grow in that area. Um, but so consequently, we get a lot of pintail. You know, the big marsh birds, uh, wigeon, gadwall, a lot of green wings, um, cinnamons. Shot a real nice drake cinnamon two weeks ago. And then uh, mallards, you know, especially later in the year we get the mallards. Uh, but, you know, we're the last few years uh, have been better for mallards, and I don't know if that's because the mallard numbers are up. Our marshes are changing, too, because we have less water. A lot of those areas that have water are growing in with thick vegetation, which mallards favor, you know, more potholes. Um yeah, you know, five years ago, I was mentioning that phenomenal year, we hunted this big open pond, and it was, just phenomenal hunting. You shoot limits of green wings, pintail, wigeon. This year, it's all just little potholes, alkali bulrush. It's all mallard. So it's 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 changing, but uh, we get a good vers, uh, you know, get variety of ducks out here.
1: Dave, then now if you don't have the ducks on the Great Salt Lake, you head just a little further north, don't you? Don't you go up into Idaho? in
3: Yes, there is some good hunting in Idaho and you know the Idaho hunters are traditionally big game hunters. So very few of them duck hunt or upland bird hunt. So uh there are some good areas in Idaho and and actually in Utah we have a lot of managed waterfowl areas and those areas are diked off from the Great Salt Lake and they maintain water. Yeah, you know, there's pretty good water levels in those areas. So there's there's plenty of opportunity, but it does make it tough when you don't have the Great Salt Lake serving as a giant refuge.
1: When you go up to Idaho, what 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 kind what are you just to give people an idea of how you hunt away from the Great Salt Lake and in Idaho, some of these these rivers, because a lot of that is is warm water springs that are flowing into those rivers, and it kind of keeps it open when it does really get really cold.
3: Yes, it does. Warm water, the current, and typically those areas really don't turn on until you get very cold, you know, in the teens, single digits. So I won't be heading up there uh, anytime soon wearing a short sleeve shirt today. It'll be a few months probably. Uh, But yeah, those areas really turn on uh, late in the year when everything freezes solid here. And you're looking at, you know, predominantly mallards.
2: You know, We've talked about this, Dave, over the last two or three podcasts. Um, We were very fortunate. We had Mike Buxton on here from Delta Waterfowl, one of the biologists, head of their wetlands programs uh, last week, or week before last, and talked about what triggers ducks to migrate. And you you said something at the opening of the podcast that was very interesting that I want to get you to elaborate on, and I have a reason for this too, based on some feedback I got from a listener this week, but you made the comment early on that your biggest migration in Utah usually occurs end of Jan um end of September, first of October. That you know, your birds are generally gonna be migrating through there late September. Um, but your duck season goes all the way to January and I mean I've been up there twice and it's been phenomenal hunting and both times I was there I was there in January. The ducks come, but, I mean, they really don't leave, do they, when they get there, as long as they've got open water somewhere?
3: Yeah, as long as they have food and water, they will stick around. Obviously, in September, you do have a lot of early migrants. Um, We have some blue-winged teal, which uh, we never kill because they're usually gone before the season. And, uh, you know, I call these early-season Ducks, wimp ducks. They're 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 wimpy ducks. They migrate <laughs> early. They want to head south to the warm weather, and it doesn't take much to send them off. I mean, they're like doves. You get a cold front with a little rain, and they're gone the next day. And that's the same thing with those early migrants. In fact, two years ago, we had tons of birds leading up to open day, opening day that Friday before this, the opener had a little cold front, little wind, rain, and we probably lost half our birds from the, just that little cold front. So so you get the wimpy ducks early September, and then you, know, you get the hardier and hardier ducks up until uh, January. But typically when we have ducks this time of the year, they will stick around when there's food. First freeze, yeah. we'll lose half of those ducks. The second freeze, we lose half of the half. So it gets thinner and thinner as we get late in the season. Yeah,
2: You you made the comment that uh, you actually go up north when it starts to actually get worse. The weather starts getting worse. And here's my point in that. So after we had Mike on here, I ran into one of our listeners. He's like, man, you know what? Birds are going to just keep on going south. And I think that there are a lot of, factors that go well beyond just open water but really the most important thing is having that open water because as you said you know when it really really gets nasty you go up there to where those warm water springs are and those birds never leave no matter how cold it gets because they've got water continually and they do have some food source there with the Russian olives
3: well, absolutely. The only thing that'll force them to go south is deep, deep snow. they've got a lot of snow, then they can't get to the food, and that will that will force them south. But the last few years that hasn't been the case, so they are year round well not year round but they stay through the winter.
2: yeah, that's pretty neat i mean you know if you've got that kind of water you're gonna you're gonna see ducks, and then of course, in September, you've got you know your wimpy ducks, maybe we should call those rocky ducks. there you go.
3: <laughs> I don't know, and for some reason, most of the ducks are female ducks, too. That makes sense, though, because usually females want to go to Mexico where it's warm. But no, truthfully, early season, most of the teal you shoot are hens. Late season in January, I mean, you've seen it, Jay Paul, they're all drakes.
2: The hens get
3: the hell out of there, man. They go to Mexico before it gets cold, and uh, screw the husbands, man. They could stay.
2: You know, you're dead on right, though. Last weekend in the Boot Hill of Missouri,
1: we killed a bunch of green-winged till. It was almost all hen.
3: Yeah, no, that's a fact. The hens migrated earlier.
1: Are these wimpy ducks fat? Yes. Well, they yes, are. they're fat and they're, healthy. Well, they are rocky ducks, then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they enjoy Man, the good wasn't life. That was nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't nice. I need to hold back and bite my tongue
1: sometimes. It's just so hard. I do like women, so they could be Rocky Ducks.
3: <laughs> well, I guess you got to head south early then, with all the women.
2: He's got a beautiful woman, let me tell you. And hey, let me—you don't know this about Rocky Dave Reynolds, but but Rocky is a very accomplished pageant judge. As a matter of fact. Um, what, what what was the beauty pageant that's part of the qualifier for Miss Mississippi that you judged that we found out about through BC a while back, Rocky?
1: No, that was BC that was the judge of the catfish contest. Catfish yes, my queen. My Does she have whiskers? The, <laughs> 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 my sister in law was the catfish queen. <laughs> and I can tell from your Facebook page, Dave, that you like you like catfish, don't you?
3: We do. We do. We make catfish boats at Excel. 21 and 24-foot Catfish Pro. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, You think we could get some pictures of her in your catfish uh, boat?
3: Not a problem.
1: With her crown on? We can do that. (laughs) Just have her trim the whiskers and we'll be good.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh God! I hope she doesn't uh, listen to this because my sister-in-law yeah. really don't. All, she doesn't really already like me that much. so oh, okay. <laughs> All right.
3: I'll shut up then about the whiskers.
2: Yeah,
1: much. I mean, just just like a typical woman, she's not gonna be mad at you, Dave. She'll be mad at me for like right, a time.
0: Right, right. It's all your fault. <laughs> <her. Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: <laughs> oh lord but seriously i've got i've got a shoot i've got to do some product videos for the catfish pro rocky maybe we can get your maybe we can make it up to her by getting your catfish queen sister-in-law in on the photo shoot
1: that you know, sounds like people. a great idea
2: it might make i'll, you call, her, I'll call her and
1: see yeah i'll call her and see if she wants to do it
3: Josh, you've been awful. Yeah, that'd be great. We need seconds. somebody else. In, uh J. Paul's ugly mug in some of these.
0: I'm, I'm doing all. I can't stay out of Rocky's family business. But so I'm just sitting back listening because I don't want my name affiliated with the, with with what what the, the hurt that Rocky's got coming to him later.
2: <laughs> yeah. Rocky, good thing you've got a condo in Oxford
0: and a duck lodge
2: in Morgan City, so you don't have to sleep in the doghouse anyway.
1: I mean, who would have ever thought we'd have the National Sales Manager for XL Boats on the podcast with us, and the topic of my sister-in-law being the catfish queen would come up?
2: (laughs) <laughs> that 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 is true. That is very, very
1: true. I would have never dreamed that either. But you
2: know they Yeah, how'd we get there the from
3: Ducks? Yeah.
2: I don't know. And speaking of products, uh we'll take a little commercial break here and remind everybody that the on next the podcast powered by Ducksouth.com, dot com is brought to you by Hardcore Brands and Hardcore Decoys. Hardcore, makers of some of the most durable and innovative products on the market for the waterfowler today. And be sure and check them out at their brand new, just launched this week website, hardcore-brands.com. And don't worry, Dave, we'll get to the uh, Excel boats and Mud Buddy Motors portion of the portion of the show here in a minute too. But, All right. Uh, no,
3: don't, no worries. I'm confident of that. <laughs>
1: Dave, before we leave the subject of boat modeling, you know, having Miss Catfish in your next ad, uh, I'm going to have to tell you that my other sister-in-law is Miserous, Mississippi right now. So if I ask one of them, we're going to have to ask the other because, you know, I'm going to have one of them mad at me if I don't include both in a modeling gig.
3: That works for me. (laughs) Man. We could have a limited edition catalog then, yeah. That would be
2: awesome. There we go. And why do you call it Miseries? I'm, I, I, only in the South have I ever – I know that there's an R in there, but the R is in there because if you're married, it's Mr. and Mrs., so that's why the abbreviation is MRS. Rocky, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be silent. What do you think, Josh? Dave?
0: I've I've always heard it. I mean, if it has an R, then it's said exactly like Rocky says it. That I've always heard. Miss is non-married, M-I-S-S. Misses is married, M-R-S.
3: That's the first I've ever heard. See, it's the seventh thing I, 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 I've ever heard of that.
2: Yeah. Everywhere else in the world, you're a miss if you're single. You're
3: a misses without Correct. the
1: R in it yeah. if you're married. That's,
3: yeah, I've never so, heard of I, Miss really. So...
1: Talking about this, Dave, let me ask you a question real quick. Because I know this is a great subject. This will get Josh out of the closet today. So what you're saying... Oh,
0: no, no, I don't want Josh to come out of the closet. No, oh, no, no. Wait a minute.
1: Back up now. Happily
0: married to a woman, and I have a child. I'm not coming out of the closet on anything. So so be, take, take Dave, back that comment and start over.
1: Dave, be one of the top guys at XL. So what you're saying is, in the past you hadn't utilized half-naked women to promote your products, just like every other company out there.
3: We have not. You know, J. Paul has assured us he would sell more boats than half-naked women. <laughs> and so we signed on, believing that. But that now, we're willing, look, now we're willing to look. now we're willing to look at options, and uh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: and not you, half-naked J. Paul, the women. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually the option I was going look at was like three quarter naked women.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> but uh, let me just let me just say this and I I know you may not be able to get into this Dave, but have you really seen how some companies have turned to this type of marketing on social media?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, ah, boy, mixed feelings about that. Yeah, it grabs your attention, but um, is it really selling the product?
0: But that's my uh, question. Does it, it exactly. really? Yeah. I is mean, you there see a half-naked
3: woman in an Excel boat, and you think, wow, man, she's hot. But, yeah, it, you know, the Excel boat just, well, through, you know, you just forget about the Excel boat. I, I, It sort of dilutes the message. It gets your attention, but um, I'm not really sure if it's, if it's selling the product and they say sex sells that uh i'm not so sure of that yeah i think are seeing you're seeing less and less of it though um what i've noticed Well, i'm
1: i will say this about about excel i've been in excel boat with j paul a few times i think when you have a top tier product like excel and i'm not going to sit here and name a few of them off but mud buddy but when you have a top tier product you don't need to play those desperation games. You don't need somebody to put on a bikini top that says XL across the top to try to sell an XL boat because you already have a quality product.
2: Well, so I exactly. think a lot think of these people downgrade. that are
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the Idea. people that are doing Idea. it are are lower tier you know, products.
3: Yeah, they're a little desperate and um yeah, you know, I think we have a reputation and image and yeah, you know, we have a high end product and and that's not us. You know, I, I worked at Browning for 15 years, and, you know, I have attended the SHOT Show for 15 years, and you see that at the SHOT Show, too. These little companies just starting off, they'll hire uh, models, uh, you know, I mean, they were gorgeous, great to look at, and thank goodness, I'm glad they did, but, uh, you know, they uh, had to resort to these models to hand out brochures and, uh, and skimpy outfits, too, and uh, which... Uh, yeah, I have no complaints, but, um, yeah, I've I've seen that uh, in
1: well, the this, uh, Dave, shooting
3: hunting industry.
1: Dave, I know this. If these girls that I see pictures of that are bow fishing in their bikinis were to do that in Mississippi where I'm from, dude, they would be just one big red bump where a mosquito <laughs> tore <toward> them <laughs> up. Yeah. Uh, you're exactly right. That, no uh, kidding. Uh,
2: and if they did it at night down here, I mean, oh, my Lord. I mean, you know, <laughs> blistered during the day, ate up by the killer mosquitoes at night, and I'm so glad, Dave, to hear you say that because I was really concerned that I might have to start wearing skimpy outfits in some of these product videos.
3: No, 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 believe me, yeah, sex does not sell, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: Particularly not mine.
2: Hey,
1: hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you leave that, hey, Dave, when you see Glade sometime in the next few days, yes. just get get him to tell you about our uh, our fun night up up uh, down on the Green River. And yeah, you're out and Mondaw, right? yeah, in place. Yeah, yeah, and and Jay Paul modeling for us. Just oh, me, really? To tell you about Speaking
3: that. Speaking of, were there any photos taken? Uh, he was it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, hold on,
2: I don't want you to get the wrong idea about that. Okay, I mean, you know, I wasn't modeling. There was no modeling. Don't back out of it tomorrow. now.
1: Excuse me. It wasn't modeling. M-Flex boy, showing off your muscles, running around in your underwear, thought you were Arnold Schwarzenegger.
2: Don't uh, back yeah. out
1: of it now, Jay Paul. It, it happened. The nag, modeling right the, somebody,
0: the, he's, yeah. <laughs> he, he's really worried if somebody actually has pictures now <laughs> that it's been brought up.
3: Wasn't I'm that time Drake had that new uh, men's camo underwear? Is that? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you're you're
2: just jealous because I lost thirty pounds that year, Rocky, and uh, <laughs> turned my cage yeah. into a six pack. That's yeah. I'm gonna change the subject now. <laughs> I'm gonna tell him. <laughs> just get him to tell you. Don't name. ever call just me. Drake to tell either. you.
3: I will. <laughs> I will call him right after this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you really need to call Morgan Freeman. But um, anyhow, no, seriously, on a, on a serious issue. Back to duck hunting and duck boats. You know, I run an F4, and uh, we didn't have you on here for this reason, but you know, Rocky brought up high-end duck boats a second ago, and the thing about the F4 shallow water is, and you, and you brought up skinny water, which I love that term, you don't hear it a whole lot here in the South, but, you know, skinny or thin water. And and I love my F-4 because it'll get you there and it'll get you back. We've seen a lot of lesser brands pop up on the market. I'm not going to name any, but, you know, boats that look very similar to my Excel F-4. Tell us, you know, from your standpoint, I know for as a manufacturer, tell us what separates the F-4 From the competition, the wannabes out there, Dave.
3: Well, I think first and foremost, you know, Excel and Mud Buddy are under the same ownership, and Mud Buddy's been making motors for, yeah, probably close to 30 years now. So their area of expertise is shallow water travel. They probably know that better than anybody. And the Excel F4 was made specifically you know specifically designed for use with a mud buddy motor to get the most out of that motor you know we have the slick bottom the rounded chines you know i mean that's our area of expertise and really that's how excel boat company really got got started in the industry you know there are a lot of knockoffs these days and some big boat companies much bigger than us have come out with their own versions but you have to keep in mind that the f4 and shallow water travel is like I said, our air of expertise, these other companies sell a lot of fishing boats, bass boats. They're just sort of doing it on the side because they saw what Excel, the success we had with the F4. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, fortunately, you know, our Excel still continues to outsell uh, their boats. But, yeah, it's it's a big niche right now. You know, uh, shallow water boats and mud motors, um, especially with the uh, water levels being uh, what they are these days, the dry years.
2: Right. Right, but what I was really getting at was, I mean, I've seen underneath the skin. I know, I don't know all the technical aspects about it, but, you know, I love to say that Excel boats, we believe there's no such thing as overbuilt. That you know, the little things that, that set the Excel ahead of everybody else, tell me about what you guys do in the manufacturing process that is setting the Excel F4 apart from just a run-of-the-mill shallow
3: water warm Well, I think what you notice first off is just the attention to detail. You know, all the welds, meticulous welds, the uh, fit and finish, uh, you know, the paint. Um, You know, we have an exclusive with uh, one of the hottest camel patterns in the country right now with uh, Optifade. Um, And all of our employees are duck hunters, too. And, you know, that's how we basically designed the F. We designed uh, a boat that we'd want to use duck hunting. But I think on the outward appearance, J. Paul, it's the fit and finish, like I said, paint. Um, What you don't see is the battleship-like construction. Yeah, these boats have, uh, boy, bracing up the butt. I mean, they're braces, you know, longitudinal ribs. They're built like tanks. In fact, last week I got a photo from a guy. He got sideswiped by a a combine. He had an F-86, his trailer was annihilated his boat is pushed in on the gunnel a little bit his gun box was dented we're sending him a new gunnel new gun box and that boat is going to be seaworthy again Side swipe by a combine so yeah these boats are they're tough internally and externally and uh you know beautiful uh fit and finish wow
1: now, Dave, I, I've spent a few days in J. Paul's boat with him, and it is the it's the F four, correct, J. Paul? That's right. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you something, Dave. Is it possible to sink that boat? I mean, what do you do? You have to torpedo the thing to make it sink. Yeah, Frankie you would.
3: And he well, has—he hasn't sank the boat. He's—he's—he's uh, he's, uh, he, he's a madman. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, you know, if anybody could, he could. But yeah, our moat our boats uh, meet or exceed Coast Guard standards. You know, we have uh, high-density foam in every area we can—we can get it under the floor. Rear step deck has high-density foam. Um, so they're—they're they're very safe boats. But yeah, you'd have to absolutely torpedo it or have. Uh, yeah, about five hundred ducks in your boat, I guess. Uh, <laughs> now,
1: J. Paul, Paul pulled the plug with me in it, and it got to—well, of course, on me, I'm six-five, but it got to just over ankle deep as far as it would fill up, and it just floated.
3: Hmm. Well, it's probably a little slow, I imagine. You know, once oh, you it, get uh, it going.
1: <laughs> oh
2: yeah, yeah. It, it was. A little, I turned the bilge pump back on. But okay, yeah. Rocky. So Dave, Dave, Dave is the national sales manager, and and you know, there are there are liability issues with letting your mouth overload your butt on on probably thoughts of liability. I should say are limiting Dave's ability to comment on this. I, on the other hand, am not held by such limitations. So. uh you, i mean you can't sink it freddie's tried i've tried Like yeah like rocky said once i pulled the plug on the boat just to show that you know you can mm-hmm. it didn't just think it's not going to go under it's going to stay on top of the water now do i recommend that anybody tries that no no but it really is one badass boat from the look of it to the performance of it to the fact that you cannot sink it and, uh yeah, I've tried to scare the living crap out of Rocky two or three times in it, but I don't know how successful I've been, Dave.
3: Yeah, that could be a deadly uh form of hunting. You've heard of sink boxes, you know, a sink boat. <laughs> Just get it to sink below the surface of the water there and sit in the boat. There you go. That,
2: yeah. That's a yeah. good idea. You know, that big old mud buddy, HDR, sticking out on the back of it, though, might kind of defeat the purpose.
3: That may. That might give you away. (laughs) Man, (laughs) they are very sound boats, so you know we all of us at Excel could uh, sleep easy at night, knowing that uh, we make a good boat. uh, It's gonna, you know, make your outings more enjoyable, more successful, and and safer.
2: Right on. Well, listen, owner. Tell everybody too that today this podcast also is courtesy of our friends at Excel Boat and Mud Buddy Motors didn't finish like you won't believe, of course, the Mud Buddy HDR True Reverse, the most awesome surface drive on the market today with a real True Reverse. And of course, an Excel in Mud Buddy. They believe that there is no such thing as overbuilt. Guys, we're running low on time here. I'm sure we've got a lot more that we could talk about, but I I'd promised Dave that we would have him out of here by the top of the hour. And uh yeah, before we let you go, Dave. Though uh, Josh, any last questions or thoughts for Dave?
0: All right, sorry, my my fo- sorry, my phone was going in and out. No, I'm uh, I'm good. I enjoyed it, Dave. It's been it's been a real. Well, I likewise. Uh, yeah, it's been great and uh, you know, very very thorough. I enjoyed it. I appreciate having you coming on, and we're glad you have.
3: Well, I appreciate the invite, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, you'll see you guys out here in December. Jay Paul, Rocky, you going to try to tag along? I'm already. Uh, in I'm
1: gonna, yeah, I'm going to be getting the suitcase. All right, Rocky, how about you? Any, any
2: parting thoughts or questions?
1: Dave, what is? It? Let me ask you this: Freddie's been on the podcast before, and of course, it was a highly followed podcast, but. What's it like to work with Freddie every day or a lot of days?
3: Well fortunately I don't have to work with him every day. You know, it, uh... <laughs> <laughs> fortunately being
2: the key word there, I think
1: that answers the well, whole question. I know Freddie... you have to talk to him and get the though.
3: I do. Freddie's a great guy. I love him. He's a he's uh we couldn't have a better spokesperson for Excel boats, man. I mean he is hardcore. Nobody could put our boats to rougher use than Freddie. I mean this guy he'll he'll sleep out in the boat. I think he told me last year fifteen times he slept out in the boat. Filled up an air mattress. I mean that that is hardcore. I like the duck hunt, but uh yeah, you know, I, I draw the line somewhere. But uh, uh Freddie is uh he's been very instrumental in uh getting Excel to where it is today. So no uh,
1: how many t- how many times has that YouTube video been viewed where these you know they filmed the ride through the woods.
3: Oh man, with the helmet. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I I send that out every day. I tell you, I've sold a lot <laughs> of boats as a result of that video.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Thank you though, Dave. Thank you All for right. coming on. And man, I this has really, really been a fun time. And I, look, I'll get in touch with. I'll get in touch with my sister-in-law, the catfish queen, and Miseries Mississippi, and I'll have them with Jay Paul <laughs>
3: no, sure. Awesome. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, Hey, man, this is pro
2: brochure we're going to make, dude. It is going to be off the charts, I would think.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it now.
2: Seriously, will have you know, some David.
3: models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: other than me and Fred, yeah. you know, no, Fred I didn't say are that, yeah. good yin and yang. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it but nothing like, I'm sure, Mrs. Uh, <laughs> I just got tickled. So <laughs> and the catfish queen. Oh, man. Hey, I, seriously, though, um, your season goes until the end of January out there in Utah.
3: Yeah, and, about uh, mid-January. Yep, it, I know. it's it. I wish it was the end of January. It's only that lousy 115, 117 days or something like that. <laughs> hey,
1: I have a quick question. I wanted to ask you, David. I, I had it at the earlier part of the show. Did, did you put in for the draw for the swans?
3: I did, and I didn't draw. And it's unusual because typically I get one every year. I didn't draw last year. Nobody I know drew. I put in for my daughter, who's 15. My son, who's 10, they didn't draw. You know, I, I, there is rumor that a lot of the anti-hunters, the, the swan huggers, put in for these permits
1: the swan
3: hunters. <laughs> That's a Yeah, uh, you know, we had uh, several years ago, they tried to stop the season. And uh, as a result, they shortened the season and they limited the areas you could hunt with fear that we'd kill t- uh, trumpeters. And yeah, you know, I've I've never shot more than 10 trumpeters myself. Uh, so I don't know what the problem is. But, um, <laughs> 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 but, uh, they were all members uh, but, of a
2: brass band that was trying to. Yeah, there the garage, you go. right. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: But no, seriously, uh no, I have not, and I have not seen any swans yet. And typically, they're starting to stage in big numbers this time of the year. And by the way, we have so many swans here that migrate through Utah in mid to late December. When they exit, they show up on radar. I mean, there's been a couple of times where I watch the news, and there's this big, this big blurp on radar south of the wow. Great Salt Lake, and this this is about a mile wide and could be ten miles long, and it's just a mass exodus of uh, thunderous ones.
1: Yeah, you know, Jay Paul. Yesterday we talked about pecan stealing season. Maybe we need to put pecan stealing season on a draw.
3: <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. You, you don't have to worry hey. about that out there, Dave.
3: No, no, there's no pecans out here, man. You guys are protective of your nuts down there.
0: Oh, man. Hey, this is
2: only part you of you know, America. You can go to you like yeah. steal your nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, Dave, it'll be 20 people standing in front of this these no trespassing signs picking up pecans. It, you know, that is unreal. I know
3: they're a hot thing. commodity. Well, you know,
1: here's the deal, Dave.
2: Yeah, but they're not just pecans. I mean, here in Dyersburg, we have Pennington Feed and Seed, and, and Mike Pennington's one of the biggest – I'm going to give him a little shout-out here, but he's one of the biggest pecan buyers Um In the nation, and back in the day in Hickman, Kentucky, there was the E.W. James Fur and Pecan House where during the winter, E.W. James, who was famous for his grocery stores, but during the winter, he bought pecans and he bought furs. So, Dave, and, and you can imagine when we said that this same people that would be swan huggers would be pecan stealers, you know, these people they will go out there and usually they'll have about a 20 year old broken-down car or pickup truck with rust over the fenders that they're driving. And, you know, they're the same people that pick up cans off the side of the road during the summer, and in the winter, they'll go out and they'll gather these pecans out of people's pecan groves because they can take them to the buyers and they can actually sell them and turn them to cash. But the thing is, it's still a crop, just like beans or corns or watermelon. When you do that, you're stealing.
0: Yeah,
1: that's Seth. The, oh, hey, sure. The best, the best conversations is when you pull up to your own pecan grove and somebody's out there picking up your pecans. and You're like, "Hey, buddy, what are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm picking up these pecans. Larry told me I could get them. Well, Larry don't own this piece of land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. That that yeah, that's the
0: same as having a as having a boat ramp close to your house. You know, you pull up. You know, who gave you permission? To be here, well, Josh did, and I look at him and say, mm, "No, I didn't." You know, they don't—they they, just—they just—they just pick up your name somewhere and then,
1: you know, just go with it.
2: Rocky, I can't believe some guy named Larry told a stranger to go get your nuts. So, yours <laughs> <laughs> for the thinking. Oh, man. You have really given us great stuff, though, Dave. I enjoyed listening to you talk about the season out, out there in Utah. I'm glad you protected your widgeon-killing spot. You're going to have to show it to Rocky and I Not when, a we come out there, when we come out there in January. But I do appreciate you sharing a little bit about a portion of the flyway that a lot of our listeners will never get to experience. But I'll tell you guys, too, and, and I don't think Dave would mind me telling this at all, There's some really good public hunting opportunities um, out there. As a matter of fact, Great Salt Lake is public hunting. Of course, it's got to have a little bit of water in it, but I'm going to take Rocky back later this year with me out there. But, you know, if you want to do something that's a little bit different, we have seen such a variety of ducks out there. It has been just amazing, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting back out there and hunting with you in a few weeks. And uh, on behalf of my co-hosts, Josh and Rocky, I want to thank you for joining us today. And also want to thank everybody out there that took the time to listen to this edition of the On the X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.